Welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. My name is Beth Shank, nurse scientist and sustainability leader in Missoula, Montana. On this podcast, I interview nurses working at the intersection of health and environment. Today, our guest is Samantha Parody, mayor of Belfast, Maine, and registered nurse, and training to be an advanced practice nurse. Welcome to the podcast, Samantha. Thank you so much, Beth. I'm very happy to be here this morning. Well, tell us a bit about your your background as a nurse and and eventually how this led you in part to running for office. Yeah, um, I started my nursing career as a nursing assistant at a family-owned nursing home on the border of Canada and northern Maine. I provided care for uh, seven years as a nursing assistant while going to nursing school. Uh, I went to nursing school in Orono, Maine. And then I ended up starting my career at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. I had an internship there as an undergrad. I had met um, a staff nurse at a conference, and then she ended up being my preceptor. Uh, And I started out at Mayo Clinic as a float staff nurse. I could float to 45 different units at two different campuses every four hours. Uh, And then I came back to Maine. I lived um, rurally. I went... I was in Millinocket for a little while and then ended up in Belfast, Maine as a travel nurse, uh, working the night shift in ICU and med surge. Um, and I've stayed at Waldo County General Hospital in Belfast um, for the last few years, and I really love uh, working there as a staff nurse. That's cool. And is that your hometown? Uh, no, I grew up in Frenchville, Maine. Um about five hours north of Belfast. Oh. Yep. And I now I went to school, I went back to school. I have a master's in public health, and I'm working on a master's in nursing to become a nurse practitioner. Terrific! It's great to keep learning. So, so tell tell me more about you're you're a mayor. This is a unique thing for um, a, a young person and a nurse. Tell me about that. How'd you get started? Why are you interested in that? <laughs> I went to an undergrad training uh, called Maine New Leadership, which was a nonpartisan, nonpartisan residential training, teaching women about the importance of being at the decision-making table. And I couldn't unthink it, you know, that women really weren't at the decision-making table. And um, through my nursing practice and my studies uh, in my public health degree, I learned about this concept called health and all policies. And it was another thing that was just, I couldn't ignore, you know, that every single policy affects the health of the community. And that in some way, I might be able to influence this if I were in elected office and provided my nursing background in elected office. So I took another training program called Emerge, learned how to run for office and win, and announced my candidacy last spring. Knocked on 2,500 doors and... In November 2017, I was elected the first queer, second woman, youngest mayor of Belfast, Maine. I beat an incumbent who had been in city politics for 30 years. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have many questions, but first of all, what, what did you learn or what are some takeaways from that experience of running, making that decision, knocking on 2,500 doors, going through these trainings that sound really helpful? What, what did you come away with that was surprising to you? It was the best education I've ever had. Um, you know, I, I've been going to school most of my life, but um, 
meeting people at their homes and having the privilege to have that interaction with them at their doors and, you know, while they're eating dinner or, you know, putting the kids to bed and people just being so gracious and opening up their doors and willing to have a conversation with me, most of the time a complete stranger who's now, you know, considering a run for office and, and, the, and the people at the door sharing their stories. I, don't, I came away uh, so much richer as a, a human being and, uh, you know, I knew if I, whatever the outcome of the election was, I, I benefited from that experience uh, very much. And uh, as it turned out, um, winning uh, the election, I was much more prepared for the office that I was elected to. That's great. Cause, so you got to know your constituents, people that you didn't know in this in this relatively small town. Uh, how how uh, prevalent were were people's concerns about health? Did you find that that was a common theme about health care or about environmental health in the area or about their kids' health? Did that come up very much? Um, what I heard a lot about was property tax. Hmm. Uh, we have a high property tax here in Belfast, and a lot of that has to do with state budgeting and loss of municipal revenue sharing and, and school funding. You know, but what it, what it really tells me is that when our property tax is too high and people are having to choose between buying their medications because now we are ever seeing ever-increasing costs of health care or a membership to the YMCA, for example, they're having to choose between paying for the home that they live in, maybe that they've inherited or that it's been in their family for generations, and taking care of their health. So... It may have been talking about property tax, um, but property tax is something that deeply affects the health of the community and thinking about how people pay for that property tax. Right. It's all related. Um, mm -hmm. so, so tell me a little bit more because this is an environmental health uh, podcast. Yeah. How, how does that come into your perspective? How does environmental health come into my perspective? Yeah. <clears throat> so climate change is the biggest global health threat that we will face in this century. And if we do not curb global emissions and adapt to climate change, we're at great risk. Uh, here in Belfast, after, you know, well, during my campaign, I ran on Belfast transitioning to 100% municipal clean electricity use. And we will reach 90% from solar by the end of the year. Um, but in addition to that, after I was elected, I advocated for and the council created the City Climate Change Committee. And we've been since studying the effects of sea level rise on our harbor, which really is the identity of our community. And thinking about how we can adapt to that. Um, and as I just shared with you, we're also mitigating that risk by transitioning to uh, clean electricity, renewable electricity. That's great. So you're 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 well in advance of many um, uh, cities and towns across the nation. Though, as I read, a lot of the action that's really happening on climate is at the city or municipal level. Um, and it sounds like you've had good support for that, and and perhaps that was uh, underway before you got into the office. Is that uh, a, a pretty shared um, perception of your constituents, would you say? 
Yeah, absolutely. That was well underway um, before I was elected. The first um, solar array was installed, I think, in 2016 uh, with a purchase power agreement through a local um, solar company. And we were the first in the state to place a solar array on our municipal landfill. Um, and, and where it came from mostly at that time was thinking about uh, stabilizing the budget. So solar provides a great way for municipalities to stabilize the budget. We've faced some, um, I don't know if it's roadblocks or barriers, but uh, at the state level, you know, state policy affects how big we can um, roll out a solar array um, and other specifics. So um, at this point, uh, yesterday I was participating in a um, visioning session for energy poli policy at the, for the next legislative session. So, yes, cities very much are influencing uh, climate change action uh, locally, but also the policy at state levels here, at least here in Maine. That's terrific. Um, I want to come back to linking this particular topic of uh, climate change and health to what you're seeing in health outcomes. I understand in Maine, because you're in the northern tier like I am in Montana, one of the issues is um, different vectors that have come in in, in terms mm -hmm. of bugs, et cetera. Uh, also extended heat. I don't know if you're experiencing wildfires. What sorts of things are you seeing in, that impact health in your area? Yeah, we're certainly seeing vector-borne illness um, increase in the amount of ticks that we see um, every spring and summer. And now that the winters are uh, warmer, they're not may not be um, going dormant through the winter, which leads to increases in Lyme disease. Um, over the course of the summer, I saw many patients hospitalized with Lyme-like symptoms, uh, you know, waiting for the testing to come back, but being treated um, with doxycycline. And then we're also seeing, yes, as you mentioned, increased heat-related um, illness. So in Maine and most of New England, uh, many homes don't have air conditioning. And even nursing homes in this area don't have air conditioning. So when the heat goes up past 90 for multiple days, we see this really being detrimental to uh, our older population and uh, more uh, increased use of the emergency room for heat-related illness. Uh, and in addition, Maine has uh, one of the highest rates of asthma in the country. Uh, we're at the end of the Gulf Stream, the tailpipe of the nation. Uh, so what other states emit um, for air pollution deeply affects the uh, community here in Maine. And finally, I start to think about the mental health of our communities. You know, our cultural identity is very much tied to our lobstering and uh, potato harvest and moose hunting. And this is something that's very deep um, within Mainers is this, um, you know, being outside, hard work ethic, practicality. And uh, right now that's being threatened, you know, our um, our lobsters are moving north, and we're seeing more vectors on our uh, moose. And last year was the first year that um, we had to postpone the potato harvest because the potato houses were too hot. Wow, that's a that's a lot of impacts, and you've really expressed that well and link link it to a, a variety of health impacts. I think one of, I think you bring up a really important point that mental health is often. Uh, 
not called out as an impact of climate change. And we, we know that it is uh, in direct ways. It can increase the sense of violence or frustration when people are too hot, just can't cool off. And in indirect ways, like you're saying, the, this changes the, the, the lifestyle and what people are really used to. And that's important and hard to um, quantify, but, but you've really nailed it. So I also want to tie that to your commitment in nursing because you're going on to be an advanced practice nurse. I am. And tell tell me more about your motivation for that and how that ties into your um, obvious civic awareness and and calling for civic uh, engagement. So I've always wanted to um, advance my practice and provide care um, through – really understanding the illness process and wellness process for, um, for individuals and for the community. Um, so it, it makes sense for me to complement the public health degree with a, a nurse practitioner degree. Um, just learning about more specifics about, you know, physiology and pathophysiology and then practicing in within the community as a um, either primary care provider or um, specialty provider. So I'm finishing in May, um, and I'm currently considering you know the next steps of you know where I'll practice. So if you're listening and you want to hire me and you're in the <laughs> mid area, <laughs> uh, I'm in the job market uh, pretty soon here. That's but good. I want to, be able to provide, um, you know, provide, continue to provide care for the community that I live in. That's terrific. So you've you've really linked together um, your commitment to the community, your focus on health, and your skill. So the knowledge that comes from your advanced practice work, and this uh, this um, awareness of the environmental impacts that um, affect health. So now I want to ask you a little bit more about your commitment to advocacy. And I'm and I, what I want to get at is how, how do you see that as a function of nursing? Would you say that this is nurses are in uh, great positions to do this and therefore they're um, effective? Would you say that advocacy is a role for nursing, um, an obligation for nursing? How how would how do you view that? I do think that nurses are obligated to advocate for patients. I feel as though that's what we do every day, uh, no matter what practice we're in. If we're at the bedside, if we're at a school or a prison, at a nursing home, every single day we're advocates for our patients. And in fact, we're the most trusted profession in the country. So we are well poised to be advocates in the policy realm. Uh, and in in, in thinking about that, um, the skills that we have as nurses, uh, prioritization, flexibility, um, the ability to communicate complicated medical jargon in a way that's understand it, that can be understood for the everyday person, these are all things that translate very well to policy advocacy or advocacy um, really in any in any shape. And um, I really, I think that uh, nurses are well aligned to step up and run for office or support uh, candidates running for office. Uh, have you found in your work both with other nurses and also a little bit with your, your training through Emerge and the other programs you went through, have you found that um, 
nurses or other people without experience in the policy realm are timid to do so, uh, that they need to be invited to do so? How, how, what have you learned about motivating and um, engaging people to uh, enter into this realm? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we know that the majority of nurses are women. And uh, we also know that women need to be asked, I think, seven times <laughs> to be to run for office. Uh, so I would have never imagined uh, as a kid that I would be in elected office. You know, I always knew I wanted to be a nurse. But in becoming a nurse, I realized that everything I do is affected by policy. And that policy is a lot of times made by people that have no direct health care experience. Uh, so... So I do think that uh, nurses uh, may be timid to or um, reluctant, you know, uh, but at the same time, um, I think it's so important. So if you are um, even considering or have some thoughts about running for office, uh, I would be happy to talk with you and, and share more of what my experience was like or, or make connections for you wherever you are um, out in the United States. That's a terrific offer. Thank you. And and um, Samantha's contact information we can post on the podcast. Um, another question that's related to all that we've said so far, but I often ask this of podcast guests, what do you think motivates you for your committed work that you, you're doing in many directions? Do you have to dig deep to find that? Do you, how do, how do you keep your energy up for this work? What motivates me is my love for, I think, humanity. You know, I was going to say my love for Belfast, but I also love Maine. And I also love really our whole country. And when I travel, I love where I, uh, you know, when I meet um, people in different cultures. And it's just this, um, like, direct connection to other people. And I think that comes from back when I worked at a nursing home and cared for people at the end of their lives and uh, just really interacting with that, that humanity of what it was like, their life was like, you know, most of the people that I cared for um, had served in World War II uh, and hearing their experiences and, and how important it was for me to hear that. And then in addition thinking about, you know, do I want to have children and what were the, what will their future look like? And if I'm sharing, you know, with them in the future, you know, I did everything I could, uh, during the, this climate crisis, um, and, and, and helped to, sh to shift the tide to address climate change. I think that'll be, I'll, I'll feel, feel pretty, pretty good about that. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it amazing in nursing? We we get this window into the very intimate experiences of other humans' lives. I agree with you. It's it's humbling and it's a privilege to have that kind of trust with people. Yeah, it's it's. There's not very many words that I can really say uh, that um, get at how meaningful it is to be in the rooms with these with families and with patients during these times. Yeah. So you just mentioned a little bit, uh, again, when thinking about your your own life and and um, what will uh, feel okay, like at the end of your life, I'm, I'm imagining you said this, and you, you <laughs> said working to really turn the boat on this climate crisis that we're in the middle of right now. Does And so I would ask, 
is that your biggest concern right now about environment and health or do you have other concerns that you're working on? Well, my biggest concern, yes, is, you know, how do we curb our emissions and uh, adapt to what's to come? Mm -hmm. But I also have deep concerns about the current administration and their rollback of the EPA um, and policies that are already um, affecting our communities. I mean, it seems like every single day there's something scary coming out of Washington or the EPA. Um, so I keep up um, through the Alliance of Nurses Through Healthy Environments and um, keep up to date on what's going on uh, through the Alliance. So do you, I, I imagine a number of the listeners will have that same sort of feeling of, oh no, what's, gonna, what's going to be eroded today? Because of your experience as a nurse and also in elected office, do you have good practical guide, guidelines or guidance for listeners, including myself? Um, I, I understand about being involved, staying aware, being in touch with our elected officials. Um, what other ideas would you suggest or, or do you imagine in, in the longer term about really making changes that uh, bring us back to a more healthy approach with policy and environment? So first of all, I want to say it's important to have a work-life balance, to have self-care and um, whatever that means for individuals, but to take care of yourself. Because at this current time in our history, there, you know, every day is, like I said, something different. But it's overwhelming. And I think it's important for uh, nurses and individuals to think about, you know, what what are our priorities? Um, you know, for me, that is climate change, but I can't, I can't do everything, right? I have to, I have to think about what is feasible for me. Um, so for me, a lot of times that's writing op-eds or communicating with directly with elected officials, um, within my current work life balance. Um, you know, because every day it seems like there's something, you know, this alarm goes off and it's like, you have to respond to this right now. Well, yes and no. Um, you know, there are there are so many people active right now in advocacy that um, it's important to take care of yourself. Um, and then in the long term, stay engaged. Um, you know, this is going to be climate change is going to be a conversation that's going to um, shape the next century. And we need uh, elected officials and people supporting elected officials who are knowledgeable and willing to do the work. So, you know, if, if now's the not, not the right time um, to run for office, think about it in two or four years. Um, or if you can, you know, help a candidate uh, now, that is entirely meaningful. I know when I ran my campaign, I was, I knocked on doors, but every time I knocked on doors, I had a volunteer driver. Um, so it, it takes an immense amount of work to uh, run a campaign. And we're, I can tell you, any campaign is happy to have volunteers. That's great advice. Thank you. I wonder if you have some comments about what we're seeing uh, this year, particularly 2018, in terms of sh uh, shifting um, 
population of folks who are running for office. And you, you said at the beginning of, of our podcast, you described yourself with several adjectives who, who then outran uh, the incumbent. So, so what are your thoughts about that? You know, we're seeing similar situations across the country. It's super exciting. Um, you're, you're right in the middle of that. Do you have comments about uh, shifting perspectives that are, that are um, making that possible? Or how do you see it? I'm so excited that so many women are running for office. It's, it's really an amazing time to be in policy. And also so many women of color uh, and people in color, of color. Uh, we've got um, Stacey Abrams running in Georgia, the, um, would become the first woman of color or the first black uh, governor in our country. Um, I think at this time in our history, we've kind of woken up and said, you know, enough's enough. We need to uh, change the way policy is done in our country. And when women are elected um, to office, we often see a shift in how policy is done, you know, a way of more um, understanding and compassion and, and, and effective, more effective, definitely. Um, so I think running up to the midterms here in the next few weeks, we'll see uh, how this will shift. Um, and I'm really excited uh, about the possibilities. Yeah, it's really exciting time to uh, in, in, in our country and in history. I mean, some would describe it as a terrifying time in our country and in, in our history, but um, things are, are shifting and uh, that's kind of relieving thus far. Well, I think it's a little bit of both, right? It's a little bit of, wow, what is going on? Uh, and in response to that, something needs to change. And we, I think we're seeing that, you know, in so many um, young people stepping up, so many women stepping up, so many people of color, so many people that, so many LGBT uh, members, but so many people that um, before didn't think it was possible. Um, and there's this concept called, um, if you can see it, you can be it. And, you know, I didn't really, it was like, what does that mean? Um, but, you know, reflecting on it, I think about my experience as a young person in Northern Maine, where I didn't see any um, leaders in my community that were out and queer, or, or even very many women. Um, so it's important for, you know, members in a community to see someone like them in a leadership position. And we're seeing that all across the country, people stepping up that hadn't um, thought it was possible before. Yeah, it's really important. And, and thank you for your leadership in this regard. It's inspiring to see, and I'm, and I'm sure it is for many people that you both know and don't know. So um, we're getting close to the end of our time. I wanted to see if you have a, a message that you haven't shared yet that you, you would like to say to your community or nation or world about any of what we've talked about or anything on your mind, uh, particularly around environment and health, but really anything. This is the time in our history where we can decide to do something about climate change and shift the tide so that we can address our global emissions and adapt to what's coming. And we need nurses to step up to the plate and talk about how health is directly impacted by climate change talk with their patients, talk with their colleagues, and then talk with their elected officials. And when the elected officials aren't listening, run for those offices. 
and become elected officials and make the policy to address climate change. That's terrific advice. And uh, I hope that many people will will take you up on that. Um, well, Samantha, it's just been great to talk with you today. And um, your early political career is exciting. And I, and I'm sure many others, wish you the very best through what we hope will be a long career. Thanks again so much for being with us. And thank you all for listening to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. Check us out at environ.org, where you can find many other episodes. Also, please leave a review for us wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you next time.